<laughs> Apparently I was off center last service, so they fired me from carrying my own iPad. And uh, Mitchell, Mitchell had to bear the load. Thank you, brother. Amen. <laughs> well, it's great. Um, God is good. You know, I just have a little celebration note for you. Um, do you know that only 2% of churches are growing through COVID? And you're one of them. Yeah. So just a great celebration of uh, all the hard work that the staff and uh, servant leaders, all the people that have volunteered in so many spaces and places. And uh, live and online, we're far exceeding our numbers over the last few years. So God is just amazing, guys. So just, again, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen? Yeah. So um, what is God's goal in your salvation? You ever thought about that? What is God's goal in your salvation? Well, we've been talking a little bit about some of the things that God's goal are, that he wants to adopt you and bring you into his family, that he wants to make you right with him so that you're righteous. He, uh, you know, he wants to justify you. He wants to, uh, you know, bless your life. All these wonderful, incredible foundational truths that we've talked about. But ultimately, God's goal in your salvation is to transform you. It's actually to change you into the image of God. That's his goal. You see, God wants world changers, you guys. This is what he has always longed for. He, 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 he sowed the seed of his son in order to raise the harvest of a family. And you and I, as the sons and daughters of God, are to be representatives of the kingdom of God. And the way we represent the kingdom of God is not so much in what we say, but it's in who we are. And so the heart of God, the, the design and the desire of God is to bring transformation to your life and to my life. It's kind of why Romans 12 talks about this, you know, God, uh, in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul's pleading with us. He says, give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Uh, let them be living in holy sacrifices that he will find acceptable. You see, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That word conform is an interesting word. It means to act in accordance with prevailing customs or standards. So I want you to understand that some churches, and even in a religious sense, uh, were taught to conform. And that's not the heart of God. You see, you know, uh, how many of you know if you act like Jesus, that's not what God is after? He actually wants you to be like Jesus. He actually wants to transform your character so that you're not just like, you know, you are like be behaving holy, but that you become holy. This is what the whole goal of Christianity is. This is what discipleship is, you guys. It's really about being transformed so that we, you and I, display the glory of God in this world. You know, I want you to understand, God doesn't just want you to act better, he wants you to be better. And that's a great and incredible thing. So how does God transform us into the image of his son? Well, the scriptures tell us how it happens. It's in, found in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. It says, now the spirit of the Lord is, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, 
are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are changed, you and I are changed, as we contemplate the Lord's glory. And it's interesting, this verse talks about your face is unveiled. And uh, if you notice that he said, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. Now, understand the context of what's happening in this verse. Moses, when he would stand before God and be in the presence of God, the glory of God would come upon him and he would come out of the place of meeting with God and people would run away from him. Because the glory of God would shine on him and what happens when glory is revealed on, on us or on people, it actually, it brings un, an uncovering. And so what happens under the law or under the old covenant, Moses would come out and he'd just be standing there and people would be like, ah, why? Because suddenly stuff in their life was being exposed. Are you following what I'm saying? Stuff was being uncovered. And so they didn't want to see him. So Moses actually had to put a bag over his head. Imagine if I had to preach every week with a bag over my head because you just couldn't stand looking at me. I mean, there's lots of reasons that we won't go there, but let's leave that alone for now. Okay, so there you are, and, and then suddenly it says here that we now can see, you and I can now see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and now it's uncovered. So something has changed from the old covenant to the new covenant that I can now stand in the presence of God even though there's things that are being revealed in me and exposed in me by the glory of God and I can somehow still stand there and he brings a transformation into my life and into your life. You're like, well, okay, how do you explain this a bit further? So this is why the Apostle Paul, knowing this, gives us Philippians 3 verse 10. This is from the Amplified Bible. He says, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, so that I may in some way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which he exerts over believers, that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while I'm in my body still. Do you understand, guys, that there are dead parts of your life that God wants to lift you out of? This is discipleship. This is what God is wanting to do. He's wanting to take you, and he doesn't want us to conform anymore. He doesn't want us to pretend we're holy. He actually wants to transform us. And the way he transforms us is he says, guys, I'm not interested in, in making you look or smell better or act a little bit better. I'm actually interested in changing you so you are better. And that's why you need to experience the power of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the journey of the disciple. To become more and more like Jesus. And this is why, you guys, I've been telling you, and, and every week, kind of building line upon line, line upon line, you're accepted, you're secure, you're significant, you are loved, you are safe, you are in the Father's hands, you're surrounded by His grace, you're surrounded by His goodness. Why am I been telling you all this? Why have we been laying that as the foundation? Because now God can begin to show you what He wants to change in you. 
And if you don't know who you are and whose you are, you will do some things like cover and hide, blame, justify, pretend it's not there, or try and fix it yourself, which is just as bad. So this is where we want to go. And do you believe it? Can you believe that God would actually give us a story in the Bible about some people who see the glory of God? Isn't, isn't that interesting? It's interesting to me. You might as well come along because I'm going there. So in this story, there's a guy named Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus is sick. And uh, he has a, two sisters, a Mary and Martha. And so Mary and Martha send word to Jesus And the word goes like this. You can read about it in John chapter 11. Um, The word goes, uh, the one you really like, the one that you have this phileo love, which just means brotherly love, the one that you're really affectionate toward is sick. And so come quickly and you can pray for him to be made whole. And so it's interesting because Jesus answers that request with this verse in chapter 11, verse 4. When Jesus got the message, he said, the sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show the glory of God by God's, uh, by glorifying God's son. Hallelujah. Amen. Imagine that good news. You go to Jesus, you got a prayer request. The one you love is sick. Jesus says, don't worry. It's not going to end in death. It's all good. Got you covered. And you're like, yes. And then the next verse happens, which just kind of wrecks it. Here we go. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and her sister and Lazarus, but oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Okay, so you ever prayed to Jesus about something that you need? And you know he can do it, but he doesn't show up. Anybody else ever done that? Am I alone? I've done that sometimes. You're like, God, where are you? Like, I need you. I need you. I needed you yesterday. I needed you yesterday. Come on, show up, God. And you know what's amazing to me is God is actually more interested in what comes out of me when I'm waiting for him than actually in achieving what happens when I trust him. Does that make sense? Stuff starts to come out of Greg when he's waiting for God to show up and do some act of resurrection or deliverance on him. And that's the stuff that God wants to reveal in me. And let me explain that, and it'll make more sense. So here's the story. Jesus waits two more days. The disciples are trying to figure out why he's waiting. His friend is sick. So they come up in their mind, and they basically, you can read about it. They come up and they say, uh, they come to this conclusion, well, he doesn't want to go back to Judea because last time he was in Judea, they were trying to kill him. So he must be acting in self-preservation. That's why he's not going And so they got this all figured out. They're okay. And then Jesus says, hey, guys, it's time to go. And they kind of have this complaint. They say, whoa, 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 rabbi, we can't do that. Like they're trying to kill you. Remember that? You can't go back there. And I love this thing. (laughs) He goes on. And he just talks to these guys. And I want you to understand in this story as we're reading it, guys, here's the thing that's going to be revealed to all of us. Nobody is alive in this story except Jesus. Everyone else is spiritually dead or physically dead in the case of Lazarus. But there's a death in them that Jesus is starting to reveal. And I want you just to get that in your mind and in your thinking as we go through this story. Because then Jesus goes on and kind of this weird thing. Like they're freaking out saying you shouldn't go, you shouldn't go. And then he goes, guys, 
There are 12 hours of daylight in this world. In this wor- if you walk in this world's light, you will not stumble. But if you walk in the darkness, you will stumble. See, what we don't remember is that a couple of chapters before, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if you walk by the revelation of me, if you walk by the revelation of my light and my love, you won't stumble in this world. And so he's talking to these guys and they're like, we don't get what you're saying. Why are you talking about light now? Why are you talking about sunshine? Why are you talking about all these things? And then he goes on and Jesus goes like this, guys, you know, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going to wake him up. Again, remember, they're, they're living over here. Jesus is living in this kind of light and revelation. They think he's talking about natural sleep. So they say, oh, Jesus, it's good. It's good that he sleeps. You shouldn't go wake him up. Sick people need to sleep. They get better when they sleep. So why don't you just leave him alone? And then Jesus says these words. He's looking at these guys, and they're just not getting it. So finally he goes like this. He says, uh, the scripture goes, Jesus becomes explicit. Lazarus died, you guys, and I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. Why? You are about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. In your version, it might actually say this. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you might actually start believing me. (laughs) Now Thomas, doubting Thomas, remember him? The man of faith in action. Look at what he says next. Then Thomas said to one of the twins, come along, we might as well go and die with him too. Hoorah, hoorah. Hoorah. Like, guys, you understand? So the light of the world shining, guys. The light of the world shining in this text. And when the glory of God, the light of the world shines, he begins to expose things. So the first thing that's being exposed is actually that the, the disciples have unbelief. They've been walking with Jesus for three years, but Jesus is like, guys, I'm shining on you and I'm showing you something. So I want you to understand something. I got to just depart for one minute. I, I, I want you to understand. Let's jump out of the text for a minute. I want you to understand what the glory of God is all about. And um, there's, a, there's kind of an understanding. If you want to go to a great church, I'm going to give you three things you should look for in a great church. Ready? So number one is a church that you go to should teach the ways of God. That's number one. So they, they teach about, you know, the, the way of truth, the way of life, the way of the word of God, the way of trusting Christ. A church should teach you how to, you know, understand and to have the ways of God. So praise God, I hope that this church teaches you the ways of God. If we don't, go find a better church that teaches the ways of God. But here's the second thing you should look for in a great church. In that church, not only should you learn the ways of God, but you should experience the presence of God. So when you come into a church, uh, you should have like in worship, uh, you know, in, in, in hearing the word, in listening, it's like a light bulb should come on. And the Bible says in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. God wants to bring experience after experience to you and to I. Actually, you are to experience, you are created in the image of God, which means you're created with emotions. Emotions aren't bad. You should experience the presence of God in a healthy church. Amen. Hallelujah. So we all love the presence of God. I love the presence of God because, you know, who doesn't want joy? Who doesn't want peace? Who doesn't want healing? You see, the presence of God brings all that the kingdom is. It's this incredible, awesome presence of God. And the third thing that a great church should teach you and you should experience is the glory of God. So 
I've been a pastor for a while now, over 30 years. And, uh, you know, I think what happens is some people think the glory of God is just more of his presence. So they pray prayers, like crazy prayers. Let me tell you why they're crazy in a minute. They pray crazy prayers. Oh, God, let your glory come. God, shine your glory upon us. And what they don't realize is that the glory of God will uncover stuff in them. Let me give you an illustration. I've done this before if you've been here for a while. But it's the best illustration. Okay. Let's say that inside this case is a piece of radioactive material. Now, the good thing about uh, like a nuclear power plant, okay? Um, The good thing about the case is it's protecting us from the effects of the radiation. Are you following me? It's like a covering, it's covering it. But if I plug into this thing, if I plug it some wires in and I plug, and I can draw the power out of it. Are you following me? I can draw the benefits from this, but I won't be damaged by the radiation. This is a nuclear power plant, okay? So this is good news. We're all like, hallelujah, I want a church where the presence of God is. And that's what it's like. It's like, you're plugging in, you're getting all these benefits from being related to God. And then we go crazy, we pray a crazy prayer. And the crazy prayer is this, we want to see your glory. And God says, okay. And this is what the glory of God is. Are you guys ready for this? It's the unveiled presence of God. Now, do you understand? If this is a piece of radioactive material, what's happening to Greg Fraser right now? It's changing me. It's changing me into its image. That's what radioactive material does. Do you know the most radioactive material in the universe is Jesus Christ? And he radiates the glory of God. And when you unveil him, it's not just more of his presence, like not just, woo, look at all the benefits. It's like, ah, I am being changed by this. Stuff's being uncovered in me. You understand? Somebody grab this thing and get it away from me. It's too close. You can stay there. You don't have to grab it. You understand what I'm saying? No. Guys, this is the revelation you need to grasp. Discipleship is about proximity. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I'm changed into his image. But I need to understand that process if I'm going to allow that to happen. Because what happens in Greg Fraser is God begins to reveal what needs to change in him. And what God is going to change in him. Do you know that a lot of times when God shows me things, you know my first reaction is? Fix it. You know what my second reaction is? Hide it. (laughs) My third reaction? Cover it up. Blame the woman you put here with me. And so do you understand why the glory of God is so important to us guys so jesus is shining in this story you guys and the first thing he exposes is the unbelief of his own followers (laughs) okay 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 let's jump back in the story so the story goes on now remember this um jesus loved lazarus 
and love Mary and love Martha. And the word love in that text we wrote a, read a couple times ago uh, is the word agape, which means perfect love. Jesus had a perfect love for them, but he still waits two more days. Now, I want you to understand that there's a whole other story going on besides what's going on with the disciples. Because here's how, here's how it went. When they, their brother got sick, they sent word to Jesus. The one you love is sick, but you need to grasp something. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have tele, you couldn't phone people. You couldn't go online. You couldn't do it. They had to walk. Do, 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 do. Going to get Jesus. Going to ask for Jesus' help. One day's journey. They get there. Check this out. They get there. And what happens to the messenger? The messenger hears the word. What does he hear? The sickness will not end in death. It's so that you can see the glory of God. What does the messenger do? He's like, he's got good news. Are you guys following me? Suddenly his steps picked up. This is so great. I'm going to the good news. Jesus said it won't end in death. He comes running and it won't end in death. It won't end in death. He bursts into the room. Why are you guys all crying? Why are you wearing black? Lazarus has been dead for two days now. You see, shortly after he left, Lazarus must have died. He did the one-day trip, got the news everything's going to be okay, turned around, did a one-day trip back, everything's going to be okay. He gets there, no, 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 he's dead. Two days. Now, this is where the story gets crazy good. (laughs) So they've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. Are you guys following me? So he can do this. They're like, yeah, we're in. Okay, he must be coming right behind the messenger because the messenger said it's not going to end in death. And so they're so excited, Jesus has to be coming, and they wait a few hours, two hours, nothing happens. They're like, well, maybe he was, you know, he ran into a group of lepers and he had to heal them. I don't know, like something's happening, he's got to be coming. They wait 10 hours, nothing happens, nothing happens, 12 hours, 15 hours. Now, why am I telling you this? Jews were very incredible. They actually believed that when you died, your soul, your spirit stayed around your body for three days. But after three days, they could never be put back together except in eternity. So what does Jesus do? He says, no, I'm not going to wait three days. I'm going to wait four days. Isn't that awesome? So can you imagine Martha? She's losing her mind. Jesus said it's not going to end in death. But he's only got about ten more hours before. And and, and understand, the glory of God, guys, is shining on her. It's radiating her. It's revealing stuff in her. Suddenly Jesus comes 48 hours after the death of Lazarus. There's no hope for him. And the Bible says that Martha hears that Jesus is coming and she runs to meet him. And I believe she said it like this. Because he says the exact same words as her sister a few minutes later who comes. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then she remembers herself. Oh, oh, oh. I'm talking to the Messiah. I'm talking to Jesus. And she kind of gets her religious, you know, hypocrisy back on. She's like, but even now I know that whatever you ask of the Lord, he will give to you. <laughs> you ever been religious with Jesus and he kind of starts showing stuff to you? You ever done that? And then Jesus kind of turns up the light. Guys, I want you to understand this. It gets a little bit hot now. He says, your brother will rise up again. Now she's really into it. She's like, I know he will rise in the last day when you return for us again. And then Jesus does this. Listen to this. This is so cool. You don't have to wait for the end, Martha. I am, right now, the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he, is, he or she dies, will live 
And everyone who lives, believing me, does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Now, I know, I know, I know that she is being a religious hypocrite. You know why? Because literally within the next hour, <laughs> Jesus goes to the graveside of Lazarus and says these words, roll away the stone. And Martha says, woohoo, now we're going to see a resurrection. Woo, I knew it. No, you know what she does? No, Lord, don't roll the stone away for he stinketh. It's the best. King James got this one nailed down. He stinketh God. Understand, guys, it's been four days in an easy-baked Judean oven. Like, it's like, it's cooking the juices. I'm sorry. It's not good. This guy stinks. How many of you know, have you ever done this in your own life? You ever figured out that your stuff, your junk, the stuff on you stinketh? Anybody ever get that? <laughs> And so we play the religious games, we put on the religious... You know what they used to do with bodies back then? they put 75 pounds of spices on them just to keep the scent down. They got this guy wrapped in grave clothes, packed with 75 pounds of spices, because it stinketh. Do you know that your life and my life sometimes stinketh? Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. Here we go. See, he's exposing the religious hypocrisy, the light of the world shining, shining, shining. And then his sister comes and she says the same thing. Mary falls at his feet. She's like, Lord, if you had been here, her brother would not have died. And God exposes her futility. You know, she's still faithful. She still loves the Lord. But God, you just really disappointed me. And so Jesus is shining. But listen to what he says next. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Wow. And then Jesus goes, they roll the stone away. Guys, check this out. This is unbelievable. They roll the stone away. They're all in the valley. They roll the stone away, and what wafts out of that room fills the valley. Are you following me? The scent, the fragrance of death is there. And, and Jesus says these words, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Guys, this is the best Christian horror movie ever. It is seriously terrifying. The scent of death is in the air. Jesus shouts in a loud, come out. And all you hear is this. Seriously, the guy is hopping out, wrapped in grave clothes. Grave clothes are covering him. And everyone's like, children, women are screaming. Yeah! It's like terrifying. This is awesome. Jesus is smiling. This is the most exciting thing. The dead guy's alive. He hops on out. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes. How many of you know you've been called out of the grave by Jesus? Everyone in this story is dead. You know, in the first service I talked about that when you take a flower and you cut it from the plant, how many of you know that that flower is dead the minute you cut it? But you don't see the death in that flower for several weeks. It still smells fragrant, smells like life, looks like life, looks alive, looks everything, looks great in it. It's dead. 
The minute it was cut from the vine, it was dead. And yet, here we are, all of you and I, we're walking around, we are dead plants. We're spiritually disconnected without Jesus. There's something broken in us. We think we're all okay because we still smell good and we look kind of fragrant and beautiful. But I'm going to tell you something. You need God or you're dead. This is what Jesus is getting at in this story. And here's our reaction. He makes these claims. I'm the light of the world. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. What are you going to do when he shines on you? So you can cover and hide it. You can try to fix it without him. Or you can agree with him and yield yourself joyfully, expecting his resurrection power to change you. Or you can just kill him. That's what the Jews decided to do. We can't have this guy running around telling people, like, it's one thing to save them, but to resurrect them, to change them, to transform them, I can't have a bunch of little Jesuses running around the world. we got to kill this guy. That's our choice, guys. God is exposing stuff in us, and what are we going to do? You have a choice. One of those four things you're going to do. But I'm going to tell you something you can't do. You can't ignore him. Because he loves you with such a perfect love. He accepts you right where you're at. He has called you his own. He has adopted you into his family, even though there are parts of your life that stinketh. This is discipleship. This is what Christ has done. He wants to bring a painful exposure in order to set you free in your life. See, our story goes on, guys, and really the mission of the church is laid out here. When Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. See, I look at you and you look at me and there's grave clothes on me. There's still junk. And how many of you know it's going to take the rest of your entire life just to take some of those grave clothes off? You guys know that? And that's why our second value as a church is to accept one another while we pursue maturity together. I accept you in the midst of your brokenness. I accept you in the midst of having all those things that still need to change. I accept you. But man, we're going to pursue maturity together. And that maturity is to pursue Christ. Because when I see him, I see the glory of God. And that glory changes me. It transforms me. It resurrects me into a new life. Amen? This is where we're going now. What do I do when God exposes the junk that he wants changed in me? You and I have to become like the Apostle Paul. I want to know you more. I want you to show me everything that's wrong. Because I know that nothing but a resurrection is waiting on the other side. Nothing but life and life abundant is waiting for me. It doesn't matter what he shows you. You know, sometimes it's a long journey to get that painful exposure, church. I remember when I was going through my, and I've shared this before, but um, in my battle with MS, after seven years of doing everything I could do to be healed, I did everything you can do to be healed. I fasted, I prayed, I read, I confessed, I took communion every day. I I did everything I knew how to do in order to be healed. And I'm going to tell you, I went through the dark night of the soul. I couldn't even feel the presence of God. I couldn't sense the presence of God for seven years. And I finally came to a point of deep frustration where I said, God, I don't trust you. I've done everything you've asked me to do. And finally, you know, when I had that confession, when I was real with what was going on in my heart, that's when God showed up. It was crazy. It's like suddenly the revelation light comes on again. Suddenly I'm seeing things clearly again. Suddenly the presence of God is back after seven years. I'm like, what the heck, Lord? 
well, I needed you to see it, and you're one of the most stubborn guys I've ever had to deal with, so you had to go through this for seven years. <laughs> but what's waiting on the other side is resurrection. You see, this is going to sound crazy. God is, loves to heal, and that's great, but he's more interested in a resurrection than he is a healing. Dang. Dang, that's spicy. Yeah, I know. So we're going to listen to a song now. Pastor Tyler's going to come and sing a song. This is a song after I had that confession moment with God. I was in Texas. I was working on my master's. And I, I, I had this confession moment with God. And suddenly the light comes on again. I'm having a revelation of God again. I'm having a moment with God. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. And this song starts to play. And I'm worshiping. And the song is called You're Beautiful. And it's really about Jesus, how beautiful he is. But as I'm singing the song, God changes my vision, and I start to see our church. And God literally starts to bring individual people from our church into my vision. And he says, Greg, this is how I see you. You are beautiful. This is how I want you to see each other. This is how I want you to see the body of Christ, that I have a hope for them that I have a plan for them not to harm them but to give them a hope and a future I want to bless them I want to resurrect them from the dead that's in them and I want to make them new and living so as we listen to this song we're going to listen to the first three stanzas I want you to listen to it and I just want you to let the Holy Spirit paint a picture of you and how he sees you and then maybe let him paint a picture of how he sees the person next to you Let's, let's just listen together. I see your face in every sunrise. The colors of the morning are inside your eyes. The world awakens in the light of the day. I look up to the sky and say, you're beautiful. Oh, 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 you're beautiful. Oh, 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 oh. I see your power in the Galaxies are bright. We are amazed in the light of the stars. It's all proclaiming who you are. You're beautiful. Oh. Coming home, 
You're beautiful. Oh, 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 oh. You're beautiful. Oh, last verse in just a moment, but I want to give you a chance to kind of respond to the Holy Spirit. Church, we've not understood what the glory of God is. We've not understood that when we ask for God's glory, a painful revelation comes first. We see the goodness and the grace and the goodness of God in our lives, but we also see the things that need to change. And you try to fix them yourself, it doesn't work. You try to cover it, it doesn't work. It's only when you yield and keep pressing in to know God more and keep pressing in. And the devil's going to tell you, you're not good enough. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. And you say, you're right. I don't. Man, I'm dead. But Jesus is alive. And I'm in Christ now. You can't touch me, devil. Amen? And keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And what you're going to find is God will begin to change you into his image amen if that's you here today and you're saying pastor greg i just really want to be able to abide in the presence and the glory of god so that he can begin to change me and stop fighting stop hiding stop justifying just come into his presence if that's you i want you to raise your hand with me yeah my hand goes up amen lots of hands going up you can't fix it on your own you need jesus and that's the goodness of God. Amen, church? And so if you're here today, if you're watching online or you're here today and you raise your hand, but maybe you're here today and you're saying, I, I, I've never asked Jesus to come in and forgive my sins. I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I never asked that one to come into my life. I didn't realize I was dead without him. The Bible says you are dead, but you can be born again. You can ask Christ to come into your life to forgive your sins, to live with you and begin to change you. Amen? If that is you here today, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray with me to receive Jesus Christ today? I need to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching online and you're like, man, I need to do that, there's actually, you know, you need to pray this prayer. We're going to all pray it together out loud. Everybody here is going to pray it. And I just thank you for raising your hand. Let's just pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son, Jesus to be the light of the world and to be the resurrection and the life. Forgive me for my sins and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these people a hand clap and those online, amen. Hallelujah. If you made that commitment, let us know. We wanna, we wanna walk with you and bless you. Let us know online if you've done that as well. But let's stand and we're going to sing the closing chorus of this beautiful song that you are beautiful. Amen. Let's go together. When we arrive at eternity's shore, where death is just a memory and tears are no more, we'll enter in as the wedding bells ring. Your bride will come together and we'll sing. You're beautiful. Come on. Oh, 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 oh. oh. 
beautiful. Imagine that day, church. Come on. I see your face. I see your face. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. I see your face. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Sing it out again. I see. I see your face. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. I see your face. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Sing the O's with me. Oh. turn to the person next to you and you got to look them in the eyes awkward awkward moment hopefully there's somebody next to you and say you are beautiful you're beautiful Tyler awesome and this is a good time guys if you're with a girl and you want to ask her on a date this is the moment you do it this is it this is your big moment I've been waiting for this moment thank you Pastor Greg Woo! you're beautiful and I'd love to date you okay well We'll talk more about that later. God bless you. Church family, amen. We're going to hear the word of the Lord again next week. Hallelujah. We're going to be building and building and building, getting ready as we learn to walk and live as disciples in this life. It's a good thing, amen, that God is for us and not against us, even in our battle against ourselves. Go in the grace and the peace and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit today and let him show you, amen, your goodness. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today, amen. Amen.